From the Mid-South Van Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. How was your weekend? Good. Just uh, played some soccer Saturday, uh, basically all day. 8 o'clock game at Micros, 4.15 game at Micros, and a 12.45 uh, absolute murder 6U girls soccer uh, I think we lost uh, somewhere in the 20s, and we scored two goals. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, one time I looked over there, and the other team was doing up-downs in between kickoffs. <laughs> so <laughs> they were they were quite ready. They were quite a bit better than, than us. You know, we're going to rebound. Had a good practice last night, and um, see if we can get back on the on the winning side or at least maybe hold them to uh, in the teens next time we so play. So you played a Premier League team on Saturday at 1145. Yeah, it was it was tough. They had headbands, matching um, what are those, the matching socks over their shin guards and stuff. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty, but uh, and and we we played six minute quarters, and I'm pretty sure the referee let the first quarter go on for 12 minutes, so they were already <laughs> in the teens as far as the number of goals. I mean, they killed us, man. It was awful, but uh, I don't even know. It, it's I'm, I'm mixed right there. You know, I'm, I'm not definitely not one of those kids who or one of those parents who uh, believes in the mercy rules and all that kind of stuff. But on that particular one, I was just ready to go watch some football compared to be out there. So <laughs> it was bad. Then Sunday was uh, more soccer and uh, church day and stuff like that, and and just just a good weekend. Beautiful weather uh, all weekend. Oh, it was gorgeous. Friday night went to the game, which we'll talk about in a little bit uh you know just uh you know about an hour hour and 15 minute trip uh got back late though uh game lasted a long time came back and you know so not much other than that friday night saturday went down to the old miss game beautiful weather it was cloudy but you know cool sun wasn't on you the colors look great uniforms look great game you know game was okay we'll talk about that too but uh just you know good to be in football the crowd was actually a little louder than i thought it would be as actually looked decent. I mean, we've seen crowds on TV. We had about, I guess, 15,000-ish people there. And, uh, you know, looked good. It looked sparsed out, but I mean, spaced out. But it was good. Um, came back about 3 or 4, then kind of uh, watched a little TV. Then Sunday, just basically churchyard work and just kind of out, sat outside, out back, and just enjoyed the weather. One thing you texted me was that it's obvious the Ole Miss concession crew had not, uh, had not gotten together and, and put together what they were supposed to do their own game days. There was 10 minutes left in the second quarter. And so Bo uh, rode down with some he, some friends rode down with him. Went to the game. So we're sitting there, and I said, "All right, guys, what do y'all want?" So I went and you know get them hot dogs and waters. Got there ten minutes in the second quarter. I came back to my seat. There was a minute fifty two left. Now that was just game time. Okay, so it was uh, over eight minutes of game time, which in real life was thirty to thirty five minutes, and brutal, just absolutely brutal. Had one person working. They don't have to count cash. Don't have to count. And there's no cash. Yeah, no cash. Anymore. All cards, but they had one person making hot dogs and popcorn. They had one person working each register, and so. So let me just say they were not in a hurry, not in a hurry. And uh, just kind of reminded me of maybe like if you've ever been to a really poorly run uh, fast food restaurant, uh, take that mixed with maybe they're also on the union payroll. That's about how slow they wow. are. And so we're, we're uh, talking just, about we're talking about Hernando McDonald's to a, to several years ago to another level. It was it was uh, it was brutal. So I missed missed most of the second quarter, but you know other than that we stayed till about you know I think three or four minutes left in the game, and then you know the only good thing was of course getting out not a lot of traffic with fifteen thousand people and nobody in the grove. Sure. So that was good. But and it was a, a beautiful day, beautiful you know, and a fun game to watch. So. Right. Hey, and before we move on from Saturday, uh, you, your son and the and the boys had to hurry back because they had powder puff uh, practice. They had a powder puff they had practice. Powder puff they, they are the practice. they are the coach of their 
juniors and seniors play each other uh, every year during homecoming week, which is this homecoming week for North Point and for Hernando. Yep. And they uh, so on Fridays uh, after lunch, the the juniors play the seniors in powder puff football. It seems to always be rigged for the seniors. The the boys are adamant that this will not happen this year, that the juniors will win, and so they're having two and three hour powder puff practices on Saturday and Sunday, getting serious about it. For so, our listeners, if you don't know what a powder puff is, the females in the junior and senior class will tee it up in a flag football match. It's a two hand touch. Two hand touch. Yeah, two hand touch. So that's what we're going for and they, they've been practicing and i which, mean which the boys th- like the two hand touch well coaches get involved i I, <laughs> I i cannot confirm or deny i i will say this i said well what's your strategy i mean obviously are we, he said, no we're not throwing the ball i said so okay that's good straight run just find a couple fast girls just get them out on the edge they are trying to install in the last two weeks the triple option you now, did you did say fast girls yeah so triple option <laughs> is what we're trying to install here i mean just what overthinking i think they're going to be paralyzed the girls are going to be paralyzed oh, by just having to think too much the guys are overthinking it i mean i mean get the, <laughs> I get the girl who runs fast get the girl who runs fast get around the corner yeah, just done. a pitch just yeah. pitch it too hard to outside yes but no they're, they're going to try to put in this triple option and so it, it sounds like it's going to be a, a disaster wish i could take off work and watch the the one or two o'clock game on friday cannot but uh yeah that's that's uh that's what they had to rush back for so they were back in time we we're back at 3 30 they were there at four for practice sunday was church and yard work church and yard and work and that was about it yeah well, Derek, something over the weekend from our Friday show got a lot of response via text messages and emails and stuff like that. What was the chain link fence debate? Uh, the chain link fence was part of our artwork on Friday. It was part of our podcast uh, discussion on the Mackinville, the infamous, now infamous uh, Mackinville chain link fence. And uh, a little bit of an update here. And I've got right here in my hands email correspondence confirming that chain link fences are not allowed in the city of Hernando. I have heard that. Correct. I, I got the same information that you got. And, and I also talked, had somebody in uh, my Sunday school class who is kind of versed in projects and that sort of thing. And they were saying that probably was always in there at the beginning. They probably have like a, you know, whoever does these linear parts probably has a set plan with, you know, set retaining walls or, or set fences that are already put in place for these. And so this one probably already had the, the chain link fence as part of the package that, you know, maybe I guess we didn't, weren't know, didn't know about. Uh, you know, obviously I never saw the original bid or anything like sure. that. So I guess it was always in there. Probably the time to complain about it would have been two years ago or, or maybe even five. I think it's been in the works for a while. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not, not the most aesthetically pleasing, right. but it's there. Right. And I also have... Another email, turning the page here, another email confirming that the city's looking into a change. Oh. So... Yeah, Fair the enough. city's looking into a change. They've uh, begun to work on that. So, you know, I like to think that the UTW podcast is having a little bit of a, an effect on that or effect on aesthetic policy here in the city of Fernando. Because like you and I talked about last week, you start to think about uh, what would Germantown and Collierville and even Oxford and those type cities. Well, you know, those cities, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a chain link fence down coming in the silo square no. in South Haven. No. Exactly. So come on, guys. Let's get real uh, at, you know, City Hall. Let's get it done right. Let's let's fix it the way it should be, which is to look nice and be aesthetically pleasing to, to the people living up and down Mackinville and uh, I think it'll be a again million dollar project let's not get cheap right at the end uh, let's do it right well I think that you know that's the Mackinville that corridor is going to be extremely busy once that exit opens I mean that will be a way for people now to access 69 Absolutely. is all the way up Mackinville at some point I know the long way plan is to either three lane or, or four lane you know to put like a turning lane all the way up Mackinville or to four lane it at some point now again 
that's not next year. Please don't, you know, say, please don't write me or email me. It's not next year. It's not two years. But I mean, I, I would say in the 10 year range plan, that is definitely in the works, especially once that exit opens and you start getting the traffic flow, which of course it eases congestion uh, on the west side of town, which is what they're trying to do. I mean, they're trying to open two lane uh, on the other side of town. You know, once um, Hernando West comes in, you're going to have those people leaving out two lane to get on the interstate. And now you're going to have the east side going up Mackinville to really, you know, lessen some of the congestion on Commerce Street, getting on 55. So that's, that's the it's the right purpose and so that will have to be addressed at some point and you would hope that you know the the sidewalk on those things would you know look a little better for people going up and down mackinville absolutely so you know like i said got a lot of email and uh, not not really much emails but uh, text from friends and commenting on the uh, the thing enjoy the show today and, and you're right about the chain link fence and and so forth so maybe, maybe we had a little something to do with um what what maybe uh, might look a little bit better something else Derek, regarding the word debate Tonight is the first debate between President Trump and uh, Vice President, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, uh, for the presidential election. So tell us where it's coming from, first of all. All right. So this the first debate is to be held at the Health Education Campus Sampson Pavilion, shared by the Case Western Reserve University and Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland. Just the name of the building you, took you six seconds. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's a it's those people are proud. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of tie-ins to that building. Yeah, a lot of negotiations right there on who on who gets named the building. But that's where it's being held, eight to ten p.m. tonight. Uh, Obviously, I'm, I'm sure all the, the major channels. And again, you know, this is this is what we'll have. You know, a couple, of the, two or three of these leading up. It's you know, within 40 days of the election, it's going to be a very contentious election season, which it's already it's been for the last six months since the virus has started. It's just going to get worse. I do think you know, I understand debates. I understand that it's kind of a, a history thing. Ever since I believe Kennedy. And Nixon did the first one, the first televised one back in 1960. And so I, I think that I understand it. I just don't know anybody watching tonight is going to change their mind It's like, or any of these debates. I mean, people know exactly right now. They knew last month. They know on October 20th, and they'll know of a number of a third who they're voting for. So I, I guess you have to have it so things can be said and you can have the little snippets. But I don't see anybody changing their mind in the next 30 days. They're no longer debates as much as they are uh, see if we can have a gotcha moment. Right. And, and that's, that's sadly, that's that's where we are. You, you're completely right. Most people, the amount of uh, just vitriol and, and anger towards the other sides right now is, is pretty uh, amazing. But but again, and, and once you finish watching the debates, like you just said, it's going to be on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. People are going to listen or people are going to watch their favorite cable provider, favorite uh, person that's going to cover it. And they're kind of going to go that direction anyway. So it's a shame that they Things have become, from a debate standpoint, become kind of a gotcha situation or whatever. But again, it's time. I mean, we're 40 days out. I think Derek, they're having three. The presidential election, the president, yeah. the candidates for the presidency are having three, and then Kamala Harris and um, or Kamala Harris and Mike Pence will go uh, get together on October 7th for the vice presidential uh, debate. And so. Again, it's, it's followed every other year. I mean, it, you know, they've had it at Ole Miss before. Of course, the next one will be held at Belmont and Nashville. And so, you know, I'm not saying there is not you know precedent. I just don't know. You know, <clears throat> some years there may be, especially. Especially when there's not an incumbent, uh, you know, when somebody, you know, when Obama finished his uh, eight-year term, when George W. finished his eight-year term, you know, those were interesting debate years. I mean, you right. got to hear, uh, you know, you got to go and, and you, know, you saw new people trying to, and, you know, maybe you didn't have, maybe you weren't, uh, maybe you were undecided. Maybe you were trying to find out exactly what they stood for. Maybe, you know, what, are they, you know, severe left-wing, severe right-wing, are they more moderate? And, that, and there were probably some, you know, questions about a candidate. There's no questions about these candidates, and there's probably no question about who you're voting for at this moment. Uh, but it, and so I, I, I hate that it's, you know, all this is going to cause is, as you said, a gotcha moment or just for both sides to be spitting hatred toward the other side and just, you know, using snippets and, and that sort of thing for the next 30 days. But again, it's always done. 
And so um, it will be tonight. So if you're interested, 8 to 10, you know, again, just find your preferred news station. Part of the presidential election coming up on November 3rd is also local election. And we had the opportunity to interview a candidate. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Charles Barton was interviewed for the podcast. Uh, Mr. Barton, he's a candidate for the DeSoto County School Board District 5. And so he is up for the, you have an incumbent. Uh, You also have somebody else running. Uh, We would love to have them on the show also. If they want to contact the show, we would love to have it. But Mr. Barton was kind enough to reach out and wanted to come on the show. And so we uh, had that interview for him. But what we'll do is right now we'll cut out and let the uh, interview happen. We would like to welcome Mr. Charles Barton to the UTW podcast. Mr. Barton is a candidate for DeSoto County School Board District 5. Good morning, Mr. Barton. Good morning. Glad to be here. Good. Glad to have you here. Wanted to you know, let our listeners know kind of a little bit about you. And so the first question I'd like to ask is, how did you get into education? Well, years ago, I needed another uh, couple of classes at Delta State, and I really was hired out of uh, Delta State before I graduated to be the head football coach at Hollandale High School. That was um, back in the days of uh, integration, was just coming on us, and uh, had a lot of people that were going to the private school, and I took a job at public school at Hollandale High School. Kind of green behind the ears, but I took it. And where's, Holland, it. where's Hollandale located? It's south of Greenville, Mississippi. In the Delta? Yeah, in the Delta area. So it sounded like so you started there. Uh, how many years ago was that? I can't count that high. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 say, we'll say about a couple it was of decades in, ago. That was in 1969. Oh, wow. 1969. Been, been doing this close to 60 years. Well, I had a, a real estate career in the middle okay. or close to the end of my time. What other positions prior to this one? I know you're you've uh, you're trying to get the school position now, but what positions prior to this have you had? Well, I started out uh, coaching and teaching at Eudora, Arkansas after my Hollandale uh, year and moved into assistant principal pretty soon after I started because back in those days, you know, the, the tough guy got the princi- assistant principal job. <laughs> so uh, I guess it was me. Right. Uh, and I moved from there uh, uh, by, by my third year in school, I was a, a principal of uh, uh, Eudora High School, and I got a call then to uh, come and coach at Northwest. I had played football at Northwest Community College back in the 65s, uh, and Mr. Coon, the president of the college, called me at 10 o'clock one night and said, if you can be here in the morning, you got a coaching job with me. So I went to Northwest, stayed about five years, coached football, track. From there, I went to Independence High School because I had a liking for being a, a school administrator. So I retired from coaching and went to Independence High School in 1980. Okay. So stayed there about three years, three and a half. Went back to Northwest as dean of students. Uh, <laughs> had an opening there for dean of students and uh, solicited me to come back. And uh, I was dean of students there, handled discipline problem, housing, all of the things uh, in that area. Worked there until I went to Mantachi High School as principal of a K-12 school. That was uh, in Mantachi, Mississippi, which is close to Tupelo. Then I got a call from a friend of mine from college to come to South Panola High School in Batesville. Uh, and I went to South Panola High School in Batesville and stayed there about 10 and a half years. So my experience uh, has been mainly in public schools, all in public schools, except for a short time at an academy uh, my first year. Okay, so, so, then you, uh, so it sounds like you've had it on both sides. You've done the athletic side and you've done, the, as you said, the dean of students. So you're able to do that both at the community college. And then, of course, you've had the experience uh, not only in the high school, but K-12 through with the smaller Mantachi uh, school that you said was K-12. through And what was your most recent position uh, before? Okay, I went, I went into real estate and stayed for a good many years. 
years, uh, I think 13 years, uh, after I retired from public education and really had a successful career in real estate. And one day, my, my wife, uh, Dr. Janice Barton, uh, decided to retire too, and we went into Barton education, and we helped uh, uh, schools that had failing test scores and low achievement in our area in northwest Mississippi. We worked at several different schools. And Janice got a call then to go to Tunica Academy as the elementary principal. She wasn't there but a year before the five board members showed up at my house and uh, asked me to uh, be the headmaster at Tunica Academy. And I was there five years as and recently as to June. So that kind of wraps up my education career as I retired June and I decided then I already had decided that I was going to run for school board when I retired because I knew it was coming up and wanted to give back to the community. Uh, I've lived in DeSoto County for 38 years, but I have actually never uh, worked in DeSoto (laughs) County schools. But I've always been a part of it. My daughter went to Hernanda High School. I attended every uh, game, every tennis match, every band concert. Um, that they had during those times. Uh, And uh, Janice, uh, Dr. Barton, as she makes me call her at home, (laughs) she has worked in uh, DeSoto County for a good long while. She was uh, assistant principal at Hernanda Elementary, the same position that my daughter holds at this time. All right. uh, She got her start in administration at the same school as her mother. And uh, Janice was... uh, principal at Old Grove Central and done an excellent job at Old Grove Central. They had a very near uh, failing test scores when she got there and she moved them up to the I think the third highest score in the state one year while she was there. Oh, wow. She was selected as principal of the year for Mississippi and national distinguished principal, too. By the way, she's also a member of the University of Mississippi Education Alumni Hall of Fame. Uh, oh, so congratulations to her. She, she and I do a lot of talking, Jana included. Kelly Kelly Sampson is uh, my daughter, and she's uh, in education also, mm-hmm. worked in DeSoto County. And worked other places. Uh, she's a, a psychometrist now. Well, it sounds like you're, again a good, well-rounded family uh, and education. Uh, and it sounds like that you're trying to bring both the you know the, the smaller public school side, the larger public school side, and even academy uh, side that you can bring you know to decisions that need to be made. Uh, on the board. You kind of mentioned that the family was part of the reason. Uh, is that the only reason that you wanted to run for school board or are there other now, reasons? I want to give back to uh, DeSoto County. I love DeSoto County. I've been here almost long enough now to be a part. You know, 38 years mm-hmm. is a long time. And I love DeSoto County. I worked in real estate and I understand the value that real estate has, education system has on real estate. Uh, you know, no one wants to move uh, to a neighborhood or to a, a community unless they have a, a viable school system. And we have one here, and I want to keep it that way. I want to do my best to give back to uh, this county, this whole county, and it uh, mean a lot to all of us to keep our schools very healthy. Yeah, unfortunately, the hometown that I come from it has a – well, it did have a failing school system. I think it's like a D-plus now, uh, and it's just – it. 
of course, that city is hurting for jobs, hurting for industry. And so the you know school system is very important, uh, very vital. I work uh, at a bank here in town, and you know we know how important that the education system is to bringing in the industry and bringing new customers in. So I uh, completely agree with you on that one. Next question I have was, if you're elected, what would you like to see changed or done by the school board in your first term? Well, I'd like to see the top schools, and you know, we have several ranking in the top of the state, mm-hmm. and probably would even rank pretty high nationally. I think uh, Lewisburg High School is in the top 500 in the United States, so uh, I would like to see those, Hernanda and Lewisburg, continue to thrive, but I would like to see a movement with some of the other school districts up the ladder. I would like to see a school system that every parent would say, my kid goes to X school because right. it's one of the best schools in the state. And I'd like to see all of our schools uh, really improve. Keep what we got, build on it. Um, another thing uh, uh, I would like to see is uh, the infrastructure uh, around the schools. I know I have nothing to do with that except talk. We need to work on those things. We do have a great school system. We actually talked about on our show uh, last week that Center Hill got the blue ribbon. Uh, was, was Correct. Not Congratulations for the, to them. Yeah, for the blue ribbon award uh, given by the uh, Secretary uh, of Education. Uh, so the one of only four in Mississippi and I think 397 nationwide. So again, uh, but you know, there are, we would like to see all of our schools be able to receive that. So uh, thank you for, you know, extending what you know, want and to, to see that. Next question is, why do you think that, the, oh, excuse me, what do you think the biggest challenge for the school board going forward is? I would like to see all schools in Soda County become the best they could be. We would like to uh, move more of those schools up the ladder and get them into the top uh, 25 or so in the school, in the state. Uh, and I think it can be accomplished by hiring the very best people that we can hire and then training these people to the best of their ability. Also, I would like to see us, we have a budget of uh, $330 plus million, and I'd like to see and make sure that every tax dollar is spent in a very good way. I would like to see it moved as close to the classroom where the rubber meets the road is in that classroom. I'd like to see it spent in that area. I'd like to even see if there's any way that we can uh, uh, improve the salaries of our teachers. Is there any other message that you have that you want to say to the voters or any other something that you want them to know about yourself that would make you, you know, the best candidate for this position? Well, I'd like to say this about myself. I've been uh, successful in my whole profession career. Uh, that's not to say that I hadn't had setbacks here and, and, and uh, I have had setbacks, but uh, my education career was always uh, based on being open, honest, and hardworking. Uh, I would like to give back to this community, see if we can make these uh, schools the best they can be. Well, really looking forward to, you know, to seeing how the campaign goes. I want to thank you, Mr. Barton, uh, for coming on our podcast. I want to wish you good luck uh, on your campaign. Thank you. And, um, you know, again, uh, if you're interested uh, seeing Mr. Barton uh, to be part of the school board, remember the election is November 3rd, uh, and you'll see his name on the ballot. So, again, thank you, Mr. Barton, and good luck to you. Vote for Charles Barton, November the 3rd.
I want to say thank you to Mr. Barton for coming on and interviewing with us at the Under the Water Tower podcast. Uh, someone actually told him about the podcast and gave him the information to reach out to us. And again, the people, the other candidates, the two other candidates that he's uh, going against for the District 5 seat of the school board are, are certainly welcome to reach out to us under the water tower info at gmail.com. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com. That interview was taking took place at the Mid-South Vans studio. Mid-South Vans has been in business now for five years. Mid-South Vans is now located in Hernando. South Vans can take care of you for any daily, weekly, or monthly needs that you may have for any van rental issues. Uh, Derek, a lot of phone calls we've been getting lately. The last three weeks, we've gotten phone calls from daycare centers because people had taken their catalytic converters off of their van. So pretty interesting. Really? So you never know when some uh, a van need might pop up or, or anything like that. So Mid-South Vans is available uh, around the clock to take care of you at 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555, located right here in Hernando. Podcast also brought to you by Precision Services, located in Hernando. Whether you're a real estate flipper or a homeowner with simply too much in your yard, Precision can help. They specialize in residential or commercial renovations. With over 20 years experience in the demolition, junk removal, and construction business, Precision is eager to bid on your next project. Give them a call at 662-469-4189. That's 662-469-4189. Mention the podcast and get 5% off your estimate instantly. That's Precision Services of Fernando. Podcast also brought to you by The Print House, located at 2462 Church Street, right here in Hernando. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services. Business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs. Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of t-shirts for a family reunion or church group, the ladies at the Print House can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105. Or find them online at theprinthousems.com. The Print House is now located directly behind Funderburk's Pharmacy on Commerce Street here in Hernando. Turning now, as we do every Tuesday, to the DeSoto County Fact of the Week. DeSoto County Fact of the Week are provided by the DeSoto County Museum. Opened in 2003, it was ranked at the time as the best small town museum in Mississippi. Uh, Rob Long, the curator, does a wonderful job at the DeSoto County Museum. Uh, Their open hours are Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 4. Again, Tuesday through Saturdays, 10 to 4. And if you've never, never been there, as we encourage you every week, please go by the museum. Please let Rob know that you heard it on the UTW podcast. Go in there, enjoy it. Uh, again, you know, a wonderful and, I guess, somber uh, Holocaust exhibit. Uh, you can see uh, many people have uh, turned in many items and, and uh, provided many items for the museum with local importance. So please go in there, see the history. Hey, uh, Rob, really just a great historian also. Uh, and also a great preacher. Uh, he does that on Sundays, but uh, just a great, a great guy, and he'll be able to love to take you around, love to show you for the uh, all-encompassing pr- price of free. So the uh, admission is free. So please, when you can, uh, go by the museum. Uh, you can take. He does tour groups once the, the virus uh, issues calm down. Uh, he loves tour groups. He loves school groups. And so, but again, uh, during this time, at least try to take yourself, your family, and, and tour the DeSoto County Museum. The fact of the week this week, dealing with the year 1892. Uh, 1892 is a year of transition uh, for the county, for Hernando especially. Uh, this was a electoral year, and the citizen of Hernando elected E.W. Smith for his final term as mayor. R.B. Bow, uh, Marshall, Isaac Johnson, Treasurer, W.K. Gore, Recorder, and John A. Payne, Thomas M. Pullen, N.M. Whitley, and George Wood as alderman. Uh, during in the year in 1892, there were five buildings around the square that had burned. 
or had been torn down and only four new buildings had been erected back. There were four vacant buildings in the main business section. Most of the businesses carried every type of merchandise. There was no specialization, so basically every store was kind of a general store. Merchants held to their customers, most of whom they furnished until their crop came in. So they kind of you know, gave them credit until the crops were able to come in. They were able to you know, come back and pay the merchants. And they tried to supply their every need. This type of store did not carry a full line of anything, and consequently, consequently excuse me, selections were limited and unsatisfactory as far as the general public was concerned. So basically you had a bunch of general stores that carried carried basically the same thing. Four stores around the square. They would kind of front the farmers uh, for what they needed for their supplies, their feed, their meal. Uh, and then the farmers would come back, of course, when the crop came in in October, November, come back and pay them back. But unfortunately, if you were looking for maybe like a nice dress or hats or shoes or something like that, sounded like you had to go elsewhere, probably up to Memphis and look for that. The toughest part about that was the, the fact that all the stores had burned. Yeah, all the stores had burned. They had five, had five buildings burned yeah. and had to rebuild in that year. Right. Uh, and four of them had gotten back open around the square. Yeah. And luckily for those people, they didn't have to deal with uh, rebuilding in the 2020, uh, 2020 model of the rebuilding I, in Hernandez. I'm sure the covenants were a little, little uh, I'm looser sure they were. back well, in 1892. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm so sick of hearing the word sprinkled. I can't even uh, see straight. But it, sprinkling would have helped in those. <laughs> yeah, would have helped the buildings. Yeah. Would have kept the buildings exactly. up. So exactly. not all codes are bad. Just yeah, I know. Thank you, Rob Long, for, for providing Derek with those uh, facts. Again, I think we have enough for a couple of years. Rob's very uh, passionate about uh, DeSoto County. He's passionate about Hernando. He's passionate about these museums. So if you have the opportunity to, to swing by and, and visit the museum, again, uh, open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 4, right there across from Bank Corp South on Commerce Street here in Hernando. Uh, stop by and tell Rob Long that you heard about them on the Under the Water Tower podcast and he always likes to hear that and we certainly appreciate him a couple other local reminders before we move on the noah's uh, gift 5k uh, the virtual noah's gift 5k 5k ends tomorrow so we've talked about it all month long please if you're going to run the race if you're going to get on your bicycle or, or any, any way that you, blades. yeah whatever any way you can get a, a 5k in uh, to support the noah's gift 5k uh, going virtually this year uh, please consider doing that and please do uh, that ends tomorrow and also derek the water tower 5k uh, going on in 10K. Hernan- water tower 10k water tower 10k going on in hernando on october 10th saturday eight o'clock saturday october 10th eight o'clock the water tower 10k right here in hernando this is a big deal this year folks because it is uh, one of the first the first in-person races uh, in the mid-south in quite a while due to the coronavirus so it's a big deal the water tower 10k right here in hernando be sure and reach out to anybody that you know that runs anybody in the mid-south that's a runner and get them signed up for this to, to jump back into running and exercising uh, and supporting hernando especially yeah again it's a great race great course beautiful course if it's anything like this Saturday, it should be in the high 40s, low 50s for the race. And then, of course, the after party, they'll have beer, they'll have wine, they'll have pizza. The winners, top three in every age group, will get the homemade pottery by local artists. And so just, a, again, a great event that uh, GIA puts on and, and the, the City Helps puts on. And so uh, please look for that. Uh, just Google uh, the Hernando Water Tower 10K. It'll take you to the registration site. And please get registered for that before next Saturday. Some local reminders right there. It's that time of the week where we turn our attention to what happened this past Friday for the high school ranks and discuss a little bit about college. Real quick, we'll wrap up the college talk. We talked about it last Friday. We, we visited about Ole Miss in Florida. You said you went down on Saturday, gave us a little bit of that. So the, the colors, the Ole Miss jerseys and everything were just were, were really pretty, nice. Really, really pretty, man. Yeah, re- really, really nice. I think they look really good on TV. I think that was a good showing for Ole Miss. Uh, even in a loss, 51-35? 51-35. Yeah. Um, you had a chance to score right there at the end. We didn't, you know, didn't get it in. It wouldn't have mattered. Other than if you bet Vegas, it would have mattered. Sure. Yeah, it was 
was big. It was big for the guys. The line was fourteen, game. lost by sixteen. Punching right there, it could have been a different story for a lot of people. But fifty-one thirty-five, Derek. You and I, we've we've said openly, we're Ole Miss fans. I think what I enjoyed the most about it was uh, just the excitement on offense. I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I didn't necessarily have huge expectations from a defensive standpoint, but you know, if your offense is fun to watch or your offense is competent. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a shot. Florida showed us that uh, they 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 were quite competent. They actually just their quarterback and one receiver could no, have tight ends. Yeah, the Pitts. tight end. I mean, he is unbelievable. Yeah. All right, he'll be in the NFL. I mean, just a heck of a good player and stuff. So Florida had a, a, a good game plan. They came in, executed it, got a couple of breaks with an interception and, and and stuff like that, some turnovers. You know, no one expected Ole Miss necessarily to win that game, and I think as Ole Miss fans we were excited about the fact that the, the offense looked competent. The offense looked like it was in good hands. I think, as we've talked about off air, uh, Kiffin's going to do a good job of getting the ball to his best players, whether it be Ely and Moore and so forth. That's who he's going to get the ball to and let them do their thing. He's always done that wherever he's been. Uh, if you look back in his career, he, he tries to get it. When he was in Alabama, hey, let's get the ball to Mark Cooper and see what happens, that type stuff. So that's what I look forward to is, put, is getting the ball to the playmakers uh, versus a, kind of a goofy offense or something that we don't necessarily um, comprehend, really. Right. Corral looked good. Yeah. You know, getting the ball to the, to the receivers. And, I, I mean, yeah. Everything you said is correct. Uh, on Florida, of course, Florida picked by many to make the playoff. Uh, definitely, I think, picked to win the East. Obviously, it's always them or Georgia pretty much every year. But I think this year they're giving the edge to Florida, and especially what you saw on Saturday. I would say that's true right now. So, good. It was a good team. Defense, we're going to – you know, Ole Miss is going to struggle. It's yeah. going to struggle that we're small. They look small in person. They were quick at first. Uh, just, you know, it was – I think it was more of a scheme issue. Florida did a good job. Uh, but as the game wore on, especially in the fourth quarter, we were done. I mean, we were exhausted. Right. Uh, just, you know, they just got pushed around. And, again, it's going to be a long year because of that. They just have not recruited well on the defensive side. You know, that's what Kiffin's there. That's why he was brought in. So, you know, two years from now, that could be a different story. But, again, it is fun to watch when your, your team can put up points. So we'll see what happens, you know, from here. Our listeners, the UTW podcast, uh, again, we visit most – most of our listeners are going to cheer for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. It seems to be that case. Mississippi State had one heck of a big day, though. They Miss, did. Yeah, Mississippi State kicks off the Mike Leach era by going to Baton Rouge, uh, definitely catching a break with it being, uh, you know, 15,000 fans versus 92,000 fans. Catches a break by it being at 2.30 versus 7 o'clock in front of 92,000 fans. Just proceeds to um, use the air raid offense up and down the field against LSU. LSU is, I feel like, going to have a tough year. It's going to be a tough year to swallow for LSU fans, in my opinion. And uh, Mississippi State looked pretty good. Well, we talked about they had 17 people go to the NFL draft. They had two or three of their main players sit out this year to prepare for next year's draft. Hey, did you see the stat real quick? Not to jump in, but the stat was LSU started the same number of people that started in the national championship game as that started for FCS teams last year. Harvard, Maybe somebody else, but I'm just saying that shows you right there the amount of talent, the amount of production they they lost, and also something else. Joe Burrow was pretty good. Now, Joe Burrow was good, uh, you know, and they got their best defensive back, which obviously would have helped, uh, was got sick the night before. Sure, he did not play, so that obviously hurt them. And again, and, and you know, Mike Leach's first game. Didn't know what this quarterback's going to do. Transfer from Stanford, and so I was, you know, very impressed. They threw the ball around. I mean, when you have over 600 yards of passing, which is an SEC record now, you know that's that's uh, obviously a great thing. I do think that LSU will get better. Uh, they got the talent, I th- but you could see they were lost on the field. Uh, I do think that you know Leach brings in a, a unique system to the SEC. I think it'll take two or three games 
for the defensive coordinators to catch up in the game plan. Now that you know, you know, I think Mississippi State only had like seven yards rushing. LSU was able to stop the run, but of course when you give up 623 yards passing, it doesn't matter. So I think that you'll start seeing some scheming for that, but you know, kudos for Mississippi State for being able to get that huge win. Um, you know, LSU has always, you know, had State's number and they were able to take care of that. So uh, congratulations, great start to the year. Continue on this week. Talk more about Ole Miss and Mississippi State again on Friday like we do each and every week probably uh, to discuss those two teams, especially in this area. But Derek, we're going to turn our sights to the uh, to the high school ranks. And Derek, we've got to eat a little crow again this week. Uh, the Hernando Tigers, who we picked again, again on Friday, we picked the Hernando Tigers to lose to Tupelo, which deep down, don't listen to anybody. Most people would have – I mean, Tupelo has never lost to Hernando. Has never lost. This never is lost. the first time Hernando exactly. has ever beat Tupelo. I think it's eight times. In history. Exactly. So, But look, the Hernando Tigers travel down to Tupelo, roll out there on the blue field, and uh, get it done against the Tupelo Golden Wave, 21-19. to 19. Uh, Heck of a game. We were able to watch that, find that on a, a Facebook feed there. Tupelo, uh, well covered by them again. Um, I mean, Hernando continues to uh, put it together the last two weeks. Their uh, passing a- a- attack uh, duo, especially, of uh, Zach Wilkie and Reed Flanagan have been uh, tremendous. A uh, couple of stats on the year. Zach Wilkie, through four games, has, has 1,223 passing yards and 11 touchdowns. Wow. I mean, that's over th- that's 305 yards uh, a game in the high school ranks, which, Derek, that's chunking the ball around. And then uh, Reed has 30 catches for 522 yards and four touchdowns. That's 30 catches for 522 yards and four touchdowns through four games. So Hernando moves to 2-2 two and two on the year. Uh, Derek, we're going to have to eat our crow. I got several texts and several messages from people saying, hey, please continue to uh, pick against Hernando. <laughs> so I may I may be, uh, when it comes to football, I may be, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to pick on, on Friday. You'll have to tune into that show to, to see that, uh, hopefully. Um, but interesting. But congratulations to Hernando getting that win uh, in Tupelo, going down 78 to do it. That's quite impressive. Yeah, no, it is. Again, first time they've ever beat Tupelo. Tupelo historically has a, a great, a strong program. They you know, both came into the game one and two. So, you know, but Stupido had played a couple of good teams, and Hernando had also uh, obviously losing barely to South Panola the first game of the season. And so, you know, and then losing to Center Hill, which we have found out is a strong team. So Hernando, you know, started off 0-2, now with, with good wins. They've got the first win in district, which is a Tupelo game, put some tied at the top of the table with, with three other teams. So just a, a good start to district and hope they can continue on. Yeah, and got a big game coming up, homecoming this week, Derek. Uh, my son went to – uh, school today, the Hernando Middle School dressed uh, as a 60s hippie. Kindergartner went to school dressed as a flapper girl from the 20s, and my 16-year-old did the same thing. So uh, I love homecoming week. That's a lot of fun if, if, if they'll allow them to, to really. But I did find this out there. So the, they're doing floats, but no homecoming parade. That's right. No parade Thursday night, unfortunately. No, no parade Thursday night. So an outside event that can easily be socially distanced, we're not going to have a parade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Just confused on that. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, congratulations to Hernando Tigers. Look forward to this game on Friday. Definitely will be there. Uh, excited for you guys. Center Hill Mustangs going to the east side of the county, playing the west side team uh, of the county, Lake Comerant. And uh, Center Hill moves to 3-1, and one, like you mentioned, Derek. Center Hill's turning in, into a pretty darn good football team. Um, only has one loss on the season to South Haven. Uh, and that was a close one as well at 14-7. to Center Hill beats Lake Comrade 28-14. Lake Comrade's first loss on the year. Center Hill moves to 3-1. and one. Lake Comrade drops to 2-1. and one. Um, So it was not a district game because they're not in the same division. Um, no, but they are. They are. They're in the same region. They're both 5A they're schools. They're both 5A schools. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, Center Hill looks to be a force in that in that district, and I apologize uh, to Center Hill for that. But anyway, any information on that game? Yeah, we did. Uh, Center Hill for Mari Dawkins had 22 carries for 94 yards. Preston Newsom had 12 carries for 93 yards. 
Darren Hobbs had 12 carries for 77 yards, and Tucker Henley had seven carries for 89 yards. Now, if you catch that, 94, 93, 77, and 89, that's a total of 54 carries for 357 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. You know, that's how you keep the uh, you know a good offensive team like Lake Cormor off the field. Yeah, we talk about it on the on the podcast. You and I like teams that run the ball. We talk about running the football a lot. I like teams that run the ball with success. <laughs> right. Not teams that continue to run up the line and don't get anything. Just fall and down, right. Just fall down, exactly. I can, it, it, if it's working, stay with it. So, Center Hill, again, moves to 3-1 and one, uh, over Lake Cormorant. Uh, got some more big, game, big games coming up on Friday. Right. I mean, yeah, the, the game was 14-7 at halftime. Uh, the Lake Cormorant scores. The only score in the third quarter brings it, ties it to 14-14. And then, again, with that, there's that pounding, the rushing game coming on in the fourth quarter, 14 scored, outscored 14 nothing in the fourth quarter just punt on the ball in and just put it away 28-14 that puts center hill at the top the 5a uh, region one 5a region one they're now three and one one and overall uh, lake cormorant as you mentioned falls to two and one they're zero and one overall and uh division uh excuse me region 5a division 5a region one uh center hill is tied now with west point grenada and columbus so everybody it was all the district games started this week those four won the other four Lake Cormorant, Lafayette, New Hope, and Sotelo lost. So that's kind of where it shakes out to, you know, for the first week of district play. And like we've talked about, uh, this season's important to, to, to start off hot and, and stay that way because less teams are going to the playoffs. That's correct. So they're not allowing the same number – they're not having the same amount of uh, games for the playoffs. So uh, when you're hot, stay hot, and, and, and you know, you got to position yourself in the top one or two in your division. Middle of the county, heck of a game, Olive Branch – Scores with 36 seconds left to take a 21-20 win over the D.C. Jag. Uh, on Friday, I thought Olive Branch would, would pull away tremendously. I was mistaken. Uh, shout out to D.C. for continuing to battle. But two-point conversion with 36 seconds left to take Olive Branch to 4-0 on the season, and D.C. falls to 2-2. 21-20, two two. Olive Branch over the D.C. Jags. Any stats on that, Derek? Oh, yeah. we got several stats on this. The game was 14-13 at halftime, so it's close the entire time. DeSoto Central has the only score in the third you know, six nothing. I mean, scored uh, outscored six uh, Olive Branch six nothing in the third. However, a crucial costly you know miss extra point both in the first period and the third period. Uh, the fourth quarter, uh, Olive Branch, as you mentioned, ties it up. Uh, well, excuse me, um, scores six and then it goes for two. Could have kicked for the tie. Could have kicked for the tie. Went for the win. Went for the two. Uh, so took it. Uh, so twenty one twenty. You know. So again, a lot of times we say, well, you know, you're on the road to Soto Central. They went ahead and said, you know what, we're going to either win or lose right now. Sure. And so uh, what you had was is that uh, Ty Walton had the seven-yard TD run, as you mentioned, with uh, about 30 seconds left, left in the game. Cameron Ford ran in the two-point conversion. So for the stats, Olive Branch had 51 carries for 288 yards, and as seems to be their MO, zero passing yards. <laughs> Uh, they, they, they did have two costly turnovers uh, that almost cost them the game. They had three fumbles, two were lost. Uh, DeSoto Central had zero turnovers, so that was a, a well-played game by them. Uh, DeSoto Central had 30 uh, rushes for 121 yards. They had 80 passing yards for a total of 201 total yards. Uh, as for some standout performances, um, we had Ty Walton, as I just mentioned. He had uh, 14 carries for 94 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Preston Jeffries had the other rushing touchdown. He had 12 carries for 60 yards and the rushing touchdown. DeSoto Central was led by quarterback Jason Curry. He was 7 of 13 for 74 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jaden Norwood was 1 for 1 for 6 yards, but that one counted. It was a touchdown. And then uh, on the receiving end, of course, as we mentioned, Olive Branch didn't have any receiving yards. Uh, DeSoto Central was, was led by our favorite, Brenton Titnanois, who had 3 catches for 45 yards and a touchdown with the long being 28. A couple of the highlights, Conquistadors did not punt during this game. 
So they either turned the ball over on two fumbles or they just ran the ball. You know, they held it for, you know, 288 yards. Uh, and then Jonathan Elliott led the defense for Olive Branch. He had a total of 10 tackles, three solo, seven assists, as well as three tackles for a loss and one quarterback hurry. So, again, just a, a good defensive showing, but a, a great game by both teams. Came down to the wire, coached for Olive Branch. He decided, you know what, you know, instead of taking this overtime, we're going to go ahead and find out our fate now. And they went for it and, you know, just uh, you know, takes guts to do that. But he went ahead and decided to do that. Well, in the high school ranks, Derek, I mean, kicking is, is, is so paramount. But at the same time, it seems like a lot of teams struggle with it. That's so right. uh, taking that two-point conversion, he just had more confidence, I guess, uh, there. And I, and I don't blame him. I think Hernando, Derek, I think Hernando may have two kickers that are very competent mm-hmm. uh, as far as extra points go. So um, that's – Well, and again, just, I mean, but a shout-out to Coach Bowen for making that decision and doing it. So sure. Just, hey, man, I mean, look, it's a rivalry game. Puts you up to 4 and Puts you in the talk for uh, you know uh, rankings in the state and everything, and it definitely sets some momentum for the remainder of the year. Moving on uh, to the west uh, of of Getwell, over uh, um, west of I fifty five, the South Haven Chargers uh, hosted the Oxford Chargers uh, in the game on Friday night. Oxford Chargers came in with a record of two and zero. South Haven Chargers were one and one on the season. Uh, had just were coming up a, a, a just a pretty bad loss to Bartlett, where they could get nothing going. Thirty one twenty eight win by Oxford. Uh, South Haven led eighteen to eight at halftime. Uh, South Haven seemed to control the game most of the game until close to the very end. Then Oxford um, felt the open door and walked right through it and uh, stole the game at 31-28. I did. Um, as you mentioned, 18-8 at halftime. Oxford did not take the lead until 3:42 left in the game. Uh, kicked a field goal, went up 31-28, and you know uh, Oxford could not. I mean, excuse me, South Haven could not come back uh, after that. Uh, South Haven was led by Isaiah Brevard. Uh, of course, the uh, he is currently committed to Oregon. He. Had, uh, end of the night, three catches for 219 yards. So See? take that average. Three catches for 219 yards, including a 99-yard TD catch. That's 75 yards per catch. 75 yards a catch. Omarion Johnson, he was three for 19 in the touchdown. Dante Brevard had 20 carries for 103 yards. And quarterback George, uh, Hibbler had completes nine passes for 291 yards. Uh, the person that I talked to was wanted to you know continue to shine out the defense was you know, it was amazing all night. He could not say more about that effort. Just really the you know the defense really showed out. Just you know unfortunately in the fourth quarter got a little worn down and and Ox, you know Oxford was ever taking advantage of it. But you know South Haven needs to hold their heads up high. They they played hard. They played tough uh, and just you know could not quite get it. But again they're long season first district game you do start off in the loss column but you do have time to make it up and you've got some you know tough games coming up so boys keep your head up yeah and south haven does travel just down 55 this weekend on friday night for a, um, to play the hernando tigers in home for a homecoming game uh, should be a, a, another good rivalry should be another uh, uh fun w- uh, friday night of desoto county football uh, so some more DeSoto County teams going toe-to-toe uh, this past Friday. A little bit surprising here, Derek. Horn Lake Eagles took their 0-2 record to uh, the east side of the county, to Lewisburg. Uh, Lewisburg Patriots uh, were 2-1. and one. Uh, Derek, you and I picked the Patriots to win. We felt like their um, Horn Lake was, was struggling on their 0-2 season, and we figured Lewisburg would, would get it done. And, boy, were we mistaken again. Got to eat some crayon in that game. Horn Lake took it 41-13. to What are the stats? Well, unfortunately, as I said, we, we coach, we really want you to reach out to us. I'd love to have some stats in this game. Don't have stats, but I do have a couple of uh, insights into it. I was kind of following this game on Twitter uh, when I was uh, at the game during timeouts, uh, breaks in the game that I was watching in person. The uh, I would you know try and check Twitter for the other scores, trying to get some information. Lewisburg, I looked at one point, it was thirteen to seven, second quarter, and I was like, okay, that's you know that's kind of what we thought. Right. 
from then on, it was all Horn Lake. They scored 13 in the second, 14 in the third, 7 in the fourth, and Lewisburg shut out the rest of the game. Yeah. And so Horn Lake – They figured something out. They figured something out. Uh, you know, that what you know, it sounds like to me is – and I talked to, I did talk to a couple people. I didn't get stats, but I talked to a couple people that they figured out, you know, all right, well, Lewisburg is going to run the ball, try to run the ball. We're just going to throw men in the box. We're going to run blitz you. We're going to make you beat us in the air. And it sounds like Horn Lake kind of figured that out. Really shut them down again from the second quarter on, and just final forty-one thirteen. Uh, and Horn Lake again. Remember, they're a young team. Sounds like they're growing. You know, this is they played some really tough teams. Right. A good Bartlett team, a couple other teams at the beginning of the season. You know, for a young team, you want to be tested. You know, probably you know, and it can go two ways. You can either you know we're zero and two. We've been beaten down. You know, uh, we've been. Uh, Excuse me, not that they didn't play Bartlett. I apologize for that. That was South Haven. But, you know, they've been really beat down, had a couple of tough losses. You know, you can either, all right, well, let's just fold the tent and let's go home for the rest of the season. Or you can say, you know what, guys, we're a good team. And they're turning it around, you know, maybe at the right time. So this is a, a district game. So they start off the season 1-0 in district. Doesn't matter what the overall record is. District is what counts for playoffs. So kudos for Horn Lake for coming out and just, uh, you know, and, and taking it to uh, Lewisburg. Well, and Derek, you and I have played football growing up. We've watched a ton of it, both in the college ranks and, and NFL ranks. If Lewisburg's going to run the ball, I mean, that's a no-brainer. You, you, you stack the box and say, okay, let's see what you can do in the air. And if you're not able to do two things or at least keep people honest, I mean, that can almost most of the time in the high school ranks, that's going to be your ball game. And Horn Lake seemed to have uh, figured it out and done that. And it's exactly what you're supposed to do. Which to, This weekend, uh, again, the game I'll be at on Friday night, Hernando and South Haven, both teams like to pass mm-hmm. okay so one one team something's got to give there you know what I mean Some, something's got to give uh Hernando's got to whether you're able to get to the quarterback or put a put a lid on the the receiver that goes for 75 yards to catch or whatever got to put a lid on him and keep him in front of you that type situation um I mean you know what what do teams do well and you got to take that away from them and force some, them to do something else which you know we'll talk about that with North Point uh they seem to have been rolling pretty well and then kind of change their own their own thing yeah and, and, and again Lewisburg will you know they'll say okay well now they've got that so we've got to make some adjustments they'll sure. adjust to the season two uh, i do want to mention that as we did in uh region 5a and read this is region 6a uh, of course this is the 6a schools uh region one uh, uh, region one 6a schools region one <laughs> i'm gonna get that right the districts in the region they changed the name on you it, it's just anyway so we've got olive branch oxford hernando and horn Lake, and all in out one and oh again outside records don't matter uh, non-conference games do not matter at this point. Maybe for state rankings they do, but other than that, they do not. Then they got Lewisburg, DeSoto Central, South Haven, and Tupelo all starting at 0-1. But again, DeSoto Central, South Haven, both very tight games. Could have been a win for them, so that could easily have flip-flopped. Uh, you know, just a strong, strong uh, region. And so look forward to the games coming up. Yeah, and look, if you're a fan of one of these DeSoto County teams, as hard as it is, let's pull for the other county schools to, to do a good job and, uh, and be up there in the rankings because that, that benefits all of us for coverage in, down in Jackson and coverage across the state and respect in the in this area from a, from a high school st- uh, football standpoint. Moving on, Derek, to the game you were at. Uh, we joked around about you having to leave for Brighton around 3.30 uh, in the afternoon so that you could get there because you had to give your son a ride because everybody has to ride together. Yes. Like, of course you had to. What am I doing? Yeah. What am I, yeah, what am I doing? <laughs> now, and we took him back to the school and his car was left at the school. So oh, we had to go back. Oh, man. Then he, yeah, Jeez. so it's a, that's what I'm saying. It was a late yeah. night getting had home. Had to go back to the school. I, yeah. Of course you had, he ride, had to ride home with you, but that's what I meant was you had to take him back to the school. So, look, North Point travels to, up into West Tennessee, playing the Brighton Cardinals. Brighton had already played five games with a two and three record. Trojans go up twenty-seven nothing at halftime and uh, and pull out a hard-fought victory of twenty-seven to eight. Derek, uh, you and I texted a little bit back and forth uh, in that second half. It seemed that the Trojans uh, took their foot off the gas a bit. 
they did. Got a little conservative. Uh, there was a lot of um, a little conservative. A little conservative. Uh, they, they really did a nice job throwing the ball around in the first half. Really was keeping the uh, Cardinal defense off balance. Uh, the, they were shutting absolutely shutting down the Cardinal on the offense. Um, and the Cardinals, it was interesting. They started with one quarterback who struggled. Obviously, they didn't score any points. Came back in the 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 drive before halftime. They put in a separate quarterback, a smaller, shiftier quarterback who takes him down the field, and North Point has to hold him fourth and goal from the one with five seconds left going into halftime. And stop right there. You're about to tell me that they put the same the, they put the bad quarterback back in. No, they did not. Oh, my okay, my okay, question okay. is, why did they not start the game? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cause, because let me tell you, the second half, again, our, uh, the North Point defense was amazing all night. Did, did give up the eight points, but uh, other than that, but this guy was, you know, it wasn't. The better the, quarterback came in. Yes. He's a relief. I mean, he sh- if, Hang on, let me, let me check my stats. Yep, the first quarterback and the coach share the last name. <laughs> I don't know about that. But again, it was a great but yeah, uh, you know, it was 27 nothing. I think they got a little conservative in the third quarter. Their best lineman was dealing with cramp issues. He was going both ways. Started cramping up, and so I think a lot of that had to do with it. There were uh, Bright was able to get a little more pressure on the quarterback, so maybe they were going with you know a few more draw plays, a few more handoffs, try to you know that pass rush coming in, trying to get by it was not successful, and so really you know struggled in the second half. Um, but again, it you know it is a victory. Uh, you can you know f- uh, look forward to this week uh, for their homecoming game, which is also this week, as you mentioned, your son, my son, uh, my daughter got to dress up today for homecoming. My daughter went as Nemo, uh, her friend went as Dory. Uh, and then my son went as Ja Morant. So this morning when it was time to go to school, could you could you like could you find her? <laughs> Actually, she was Nemo, so I did find her. Could not find her friend. Um, the uh, the or her her friend forgot to go to school. Forgot to go to school. Absolutely forgot. Hey, that's a, Definitely had to get there. Hey, if you want to be in character, oh, that's just, it. Just mom. Just all day you walk around. Mom. Don't know your schedule. You just walk around all day long. You walk around to different classes, and you act. You're in character. What was uh, something Wallaby Way? Yeah, like, exactly. What was that? And I apologize, kids. I don't. I don't remember that. <laughs> Sydney, Australia. I know yeah, that. Yeah, uh, Wallaby Way. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, uh, and then my, my son decided because it, it was duos. It was duo day. That's what it was. Okay. So they were they were Nemo and Dory, and then my son was a Jean Morant. So he wore a Jean Morant jersey because that's all he has is jerseys. And uh, his uh, friend was Jaren. So again, you know. Um, hey, quick question on the, on the game. Uh, you and I talk all the time about high school football, high school coaches. So did they, if they committed to con- being conservative, would they? At least, and they, they were going to run the ball. It seems like they just what they sw- the, what they changed to. Did they go ahead and just wait till two seconds left on the play clock and snap the ball, or were they still going fast but being conservative in the uh, play no, clock? No, I mean they were. It was it was under ten seconds. I won't say. Okay, it was so at least two. if we're going to gobble some clock up yeah. and try and get out of here without a win, let's let's fully commit to it. That's okay. right. And especially you know once uh, they the other team scored, it was about ten to nine minutes left in the fourth quarter when they finally put up the eight points, and so from then on they they were milking clock. I mean at, now look when it's that time. I'm in favor of it. It's just that don't do it in the middle of the third quarter. I right? agree. Third, hey, third so, quarter needs to stay the same game plan. Yeah. Let's get into the fourth quarter to where you're up three scores, four scores. You're in a high school football game. You can gobble up so much clock right there. That's well, they, the frustrating part. And there's a couple of stats, though. Uh, they, you know, a couple. I want to uh, give a shout-out to two, uh, you know, a couple of plays. The uh, Hudson Brown uh, to Jackson Thomason for the second week in a row. So they had the, basically the same exact uh, play against ECS. 35-yard TD pass up the seam. Uh, so that was a, a great play. A couple others. Uh, Fisher, a new running back that started uh, for this game, uh, last, it was Fisher. He had two TDs, a three-yard plunge and a two-yard plunge. So, again, great job on the offense. All, of course, the scoring came in the first half. And, again, uh, Hudson Brown on the year now has 59, uh, 56 attempts for 390 yards. So this is obviously a short passing game. Fisher has now has 21 carries for 71 yards. Of course, this was his first game with two TDs. Uh, another running back, Jackson Thomason, 22 carries for 126 and two TDs. And on the receiving end, we have uh, Chris 
Christian Gilman, who has eight receptions for 67 yards and a TD on the season. And then Jackson Thomason, again, he was a running back, now been moved to wide receiver, nine receptions for 147 yards and two TDs on the season. So, again, uh, you know, two and one for the North Point now, heading into homecoming week, you know, starting to hopefully get the offense rolling, and we'll see what uh, we'll talk about the game this Friday. Yeah, and looking forward to some homecoming talk. Congratulations to the Trojans. Again, I had to, I'm going to have to eat crow on that one. I picked Brighton just because they played five games, and I figure they had maybe more. Real quick, before we move on, and, and we apologize for the long show, the, the Hernan, the, not the Hernando, the high school wrap-up show typically can be a little long. You guys were only allowed one ticket per player. What did the other side look like? Were they – uh, it was it was more Do, than were one they making the player, effort, but it was not. I mean, you you think about Brighton, you're probably thinking, okay, this is Friday night football. Sure, yeah. It's going to be a packed crowd. It was not. So I, I, they did limit they their did side. A good job. It was more than we had, of and course. I think if we would have brought both sets of parents, blah blah blah, we probably would have equaled their crowd that they had. Right. Um, so they probably, I would say, maybe one twenty to one fifty to our sixty. Gotcha. Um, but so they were limited, but it was not. But no, it was not a full crowd. Yeah, band cheerleaders the whole deal. Uh, so, uh, the band, but the band was in the end zone, literally surrounding one of the end. So okay. it was it was wrapped around both corners of the end zone right. playing. So they were socially distanced, but the entire band was there. But again, away from the fan. I do want to. I, I do want to ask you this. Please. Yeah, they play the whole time. What do you think their fight song? Who you know? All the schools. I mean, North Point uses the USC Trojan fight song right. for obvious reasons. Who do you think their fight? The Brighton Cardinals fight song is the Memphis Tiger fight song. No, okay. no. They go Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Catholic they start, school. They start playing the Notre Dame Fighting Irish fight song for their – and I'm like, the, the Cardinals? Like, the I'm, Golden I, I, Domers. Where, where does that – I mean, I, mean I, I, understand, I understand that Stanford probably doesn't have a recognizable fight song, but they do have a fight song. They do have a fight you well, can make Stan- the, Don't forget the Stanford Cardinals. Those are the crazy folks. I, I understand that, but, I mean, it's just like they have a fight song. They are the Cardinals. Yeah, sure. You could play a St. Louis – Baseball song, like not the Notre Dame fight song. Notre Dame, Notre Dame fight song. Was, but again, was, they do stay until halftime and play. Oh, they play through they, halftime. Gotcha. Okay, they don't. They, they don't disappear in the second quarter. Uh, Magnolia Heights down in San Antonio. Magnolia Heights three and two on the season. Magnolia Heights moves to four and two. Magnolia Heights won their first two games, lost the second two games, uh, next two games, and now they're in a two game streak again. They won the uh, against the Bayou Academy uh, Colts forty one to twenty two. So 41 to 22, Magnolia Heights moved on, uh, looking pretty good in their thing. Do we have any stats or, or standings there, Derek? We do not. We do not? Uh, other okay. than you know, that, that, that puts them in second now in their district. Uh, they are like 5A for the private schools. Gotcha. Uh, and they're they're now second in their district. A good week of football. I mean, Hernando going to Tupelo, big deal. Center here on Lake Comer battled each other. Uh, Olive Branch and D.C. battled each other. Uh, Horn Lake and Lewisburg went toe-to-toe. And, uh, man, DeSoto County football is good, and DeSoto County football is only getting better. So please support these young people each and every Friday night. If you live in the community or live in a community that you can go out and see a game, again, more people are allowed in the stadiums. They're not being too uh, – too, too difficult about it now. I'm, I think we're still wearing masks and supposed to socially distance. And well, so you forth. know, tomorrow's the, t- tomorrow's the 30th. But tomorrow's so the 30th, okay. The mask right. mandate technically ends. Now we'll see what the governor says tomorrow okay. going forward. You know, again, get out, support these young people each and every Friday night that are going uh, going at it and, and, and playing hard. Take your kids. Take uh, Encourage your middle schoolers and high schoolers to go and support their local football team and uh, and, and go out to those each and every Friday night. So, Derek, a lot of talk all, all day. We, we visited from a, a chain link fence all all the way. Wait a minute. Now, now I think about it. There are chain link fences all around these uh, football fields on Friday night. Yes, they are. That's kind of exactly where chain link fences maybe should go. Um, but anyway, uh, we enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Derek, always good talking with you on a Tuesday. Thank you to Mr. Charles Barton for coming in. Mr. Charles running for uh, District 5 seat in the uh, DeSoto County School Board. Mm-hmm. So I want to wish him luck. And certainly uh, we'll uh, probably have his 
uh, competitors uh, sometime in the next month of October to discuss their plans or discuss their dreams for DeSoto County Schools. So is uh, anything else? That's all I have for today. Looking forward to Friday. Sounds good, man. Uh, good show. Thank you for tuning in to the UTW Podcast. Please remember to look us up on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. That's UTW Pod on Twitter. But most importantly, please, wherever you listen to this, uh, you are listening to this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so you can know each and every uh, Tuesday and Friday episode that we took we uh, we put out to the world. And that way, it helps us with our advertisers and uh, different people looking to advertise uh, with us on the UTW podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share it on Facebook. Share it on Hernando Happenings. Share it to everybody you can. If you hear uh, some information about a school or a player that you might know, a parent or grandparent, share it with them so we can continue to grow and, and, and enjoy the UTW podcast. If that's everything, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower.